Gone are the days where we would build a relationship with our local bank manager. The person who would know how we save and how we spend. The person who knew all about our investments. And probably the person who looked after our parents or even our brothers and sisters' finances. With so many changes in the financial sector over the last 20 years, those looking for a mortgage have lost the confidence in getting the best deal with a bank and are turning to mortgage brokers. Today, we find out why. You're listening to Real Estate Right. Top experts talk about how to buy, sell, rent and invest right. Your host is Sue Langder. Real Estate Right is climbing the charts and is consistently in the top 200 best Australian podcasts for education and how-to information. We are proud of our little podcast and look forward to giving you the information you want. That's helping you on your real estate journey. Check out our back catalogue of episodes and I'm sure you'll find an episode that's what you want to know right now. Real Estate Right, it's where buyers, sellers, renters and investors get their real estate right. Evan Davis, founder and CEO of MoneyCat Finance, has over 15 years of experience in mortgage broking and multiple successful ventures in the property development and investment space. Evan specialises in self-employed lending and has a passion for helping Australians realise the great Australian dream of home ownership. Welcome, Evan. How are you today? So, okay, so I'm really well. Thanks for uh, having me on your podcast. I think it's the first one of these that I've um, done. So, yeah, I'm well. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Always nice to have new faces and new voices on. And you've got the voice for radio, as we always talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did a little bit of amateur radio in a previous one. Oh, yeah, so did I. So that's where this is all Now, how did you get into mortgage broking? Well, it's sort of a funny story. I, I've been in mortgage broking now for 20 years. So I came back from overseas and I had been um, living abroad for a year in the Solomon Islands during, uh, during the Civil War, believe it or not. And I came back to Australia and needed to get a job to pay the rent. The only jobs I could kind of get were sales jobs at that stage. And back in the day, being a mortgage broker was really pretty much just a sales job. You didn't need any special qualifications to get in. So um, I thought it'd be an interesting way of helping people and an interesting way of uh, um, a fun way of making money. Um, numbers were always something that I really enjoyed. So I got a mortgage broking position with a company uh, that had an office in Sydney, Melbourne and uh, Brisbane back in the day. And um, then gradually over time, my industry regulated. So that would have probably been about 2002, 2003. So the mortgage broking industry is regulated since then, which is a great thing. And it's matured a lot, which is also a very good thing. So I've grown with the industry and uh, picked up the qualifications. And when I look back on it, I never thought I'd say that I was a, an old bull or a, yeah. <laughs> an old hand. But I suppose 20 years in one industry does mean you've collected some experiences. And, um, yeah, mortgage broking is a good place to be. Fundamentally, um, it's uh, about helping people achieve something that's very, very important to them. And um, that's probably why I stayed. So did that answer the question? It does, definitely, (laughs) yes. Yes, it's. um, I guess it's rare now that people stay in the one industry for 
20 plus years, isn't it? Yeah, well, I started off as a self-employed contractor to the company and then um, one thing led to another. Yeah. And now I've got a, my own business. I've had a couple of mortgage-broking businesses before this one. I've got uh, seven wonderful staff and we, uh, we help um, many, many people throughout Australia, not just Melbourne, but all over Australia buy their, uh, their properties and refinance their assets to generate a lot of wealth. I like to think that we uh, really do make our clients wealthy and get them set up for their financial planners later in life. So the first and most important step for so many people is buying their first home. Definitely. So essentially your, your service is taking it to the next level. It's not just a mortgage oh, brokerage yes. service. It's not just a mortgage brokerage service. It's <laughs> next level stuff. Well, I like to think that, yes, it is a bit next level and it is a bit strategic. Mm. So we cut our teeth back in the day. We would specialise, or I specialise in residential property refinancing. Mm. But, of course, I've grown a lot since then. So we do residential property purchases, uh, refinancing. We do commercial loans for commercial properties. I help a lot of my clients with their self-managed super fund lending. And uh, what I found is I'm dealing with many of the same clients that I dealt with 20 years ago. But now their needs are more mature. Mm. They have an investment portfolio or they need to upgrade their family home. Mm. Um, and I've even seen the uh, the other end of the spectrum, people that I was helping back then that are now downsizing or buying uh, different property assets yes. or even non-property assets but using residentially or commercially secured lending to do that. So I like to think that I'm pretty strategic and pretty holistic. And um, fundamentally, my business model, though, has always been putting the client at the centre of everything we do because I know that everything takes place around them. And if we get that right, everything's comparatively easier. So we are a a big big broad church. We do have a broad offering. Um, But, um, yeah, I like to help people from all walks of life. Sounds good. Now, onto the topic for today. Now, we're talking about the difference between a bank and a mortgage broker. So, you being a mortgage broker, how is a mortgage broker different to a bank in the way that they can help people? I think a mortgage broker is a far better choice uh, for anyone who wants to talk about borrowing money to buy some kind of property asset. Yes. The day of just going down and having a relationship with your bank bank manager or your branch manager, they're pretty much done. Yes. Um, I'll let you in on an industry secret, sir. <laughs> and when I got my mortgage-broking qualification all that time ago, they made me promise not to tell anyone. Because I think this podcast is going to be a closely guarded secret, <laughs> I'll let you in on my secret. Okay. okay. So the Australian banks are blood-sucking bastards. That's the God-honest truth, okay? Yeah. And um, the thing is, if you go to your bank and you just focus on one lender, you're doing yourself a disservice. Mm. The banks are not obliged to act in any best interest other than their own. Mm-hmm. They're only able to offer their own product suite, of course, and you're going to fall mercy to whatever they want to sell you on the day. Yes. Whereas a mortgage broker, by law, has to operate in your best interest and the mortgage broker has to give you a variety of choice. So, with one, we're legally operating in your best interest. Two, mortgage brokers tend to have a lot more experience than the person that's just joined the bank. So most mortgage brokers have been in the industry for a long period of time or completed a long trainee program. So uh, that experience when you're trying to uh, get the right loan, not just on price, but also on policies, because not all two lenders are created equal, that's a, a major benefit in using the broker. So 
price is also a major benefit in using a broker. We've got the time to compare the entire market for you. And um, if you, as I say, if you do go just down to your local bank, you're going to get what's on what's on offer on what's on offer at the day. Um, and the other thing with mortgage brokers is we've got a lot of continued professional development. We're part of a, a head body, a peak body, the NFAA, Mortgage Finance Association of Australia, or the FBAA, which is the Finance Brokerage Association of Australia. And um, uh, basically, yeah, we've got that continued professional development, which I think sets us out from the rest. At the moment, um, about I think it's about 60 or even 70% of new loans to lenders uh, originate through mortgage brokers. So the market year on year grows for mortgage brokers, which means that fundamentally we're doing a good job and uh, we're offering people that all-important choice and that all-important experience which they've been lacking from their uh, their banks for many, many years. Yeah. And looking overseas, markets like America, markets like the UK, they're at about 80% market uh, share for mortgage brokers and we're really not very far behind. Yeah. So it's a good time to be a broker and it's a good time to use a broker if you want to get a holistic service uh, that's uh, outcome-focused yes. and focused on all best interests. Sounds good. Well, you just answered my second question, but... that's okay um now so what makes people more confident with mortgage brokers now than they ever were before i have to say that probably the royal commission probably all of uh, the interest in financial sectors has probably made people more confident with mortgage brokers than ever before we're more mainstream than we ever were before and back in the day there was a perception I can't get my own home loan from the bank. The bank said, no, I'm going to go to a mortgage broker. So mortgage brokers were sometimes seen as the avenue of uh, last resort, Mm. but that's no longer the case. Because our industry has matured and people can see that we provide that strategic, tactical, holistic service, they're much more likely to use us. So I think that's a very, very good thing. And mortgage broking really came out unscathed in the Royal Commission. It was found to be a very valuable service. Um, mortgage brokers uh, rallied really well and we, we got on the front foot and communicated our benefits compared to the bank. And uh, it was sort of really flagged that if mortgage broking wasn't there as a, a strong, viable service for the community, then competition would suffer. Competition would uh, suffer greatly because the banks would basically gobble up all of the business again. Yeah. So it's good that uh, I think People have had that epiphany, that realisation. And it's also reflected in a lot of very serious lenders actually don't have a distribution model, period, other than mortgage broking. So Macquarie Bank, First Mac, a lot of these very useful second-tier or non-bank lenders, even ING, which is a very popular lender, a household Mm. name for their mortgage products, their savings products, they distribute almost completely through mortgage brokers. So the channel, I think, is more mature um, better recognised and better understood than it's ever been. Yes, definitely. Like it's it's an interesting how it has all evolved. Like I think I got my first mortgage, ooh, 21 years ago and that was through Westpac and I'd never been a Westpac customer before. Um, but then, ooh, I think the second mortgage was... Was it Westpac. a broker that set it up for you? No, no, it was, it was directly through the bank and then um, I think it was third mortgage along got a mortgage broker that was a little bit seedy then where it was it was um it was through a company called sample and partners oh wow that's a blast from the past 
yeah. and they were they they were a refi they were a refinance service back in the day, yeah. and a uh, mortgage uh, reduction service back in yeah, the day. Yeah, well, they didn't so, they didn't reduce my mortgage at all. What they it was it was actually one of those things where they said it would cost five thousand dollars to use their services, and mm. then they switched us from uh, Westpac to Rams. And because we only we uh, we ended up selling the house about a year later, there was a nice little ten thousand dollar fee for getting out of the mortgage too early. Ah, well, actually, you flagged a couple of really good things there. Yeah. Um. First, um, the first big one is most mortgage brokers don't charge for their time or their service. Yeah. Well, that's that's so, where I knew that I was being stitched. But the other yeah. thing that I was being stitched was we told Westpac that we were looking elsewhere, and they said, "Look, we'll reduce your mortgage by." you know, point two or whatever percent. And then we showed these people that, which made it cheaper. The Westpac um, one was cheaper than the Rams one. And they said, oh, well, we've, yes. we've done the paperwork now. You have to go ahead with it. Oh, boy, okay. Yeah. Well, Sample and Partners are a company that, um, to the best of my knowledge, aren't trading any longer. No. I'm familiar with them. Uh, I'm familiar with some of the things that they did wrong. And I certainly know that... Um, they wound up in some hot water with ASIC going back a while ago, but this would probably be 15 years oh, ago, yeah. maybe a little yeah, longer. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, I'm just thinking, we sold that house in 2007. It was probably 2006, end of 2005, 2006. Mm. Yeah. There's probably some really good takeout points in what you've just said there for some of your listeners on your podcast. Definitely. Mid um, Sample and Partners or a company like that and a debt reduction service, they've become a lot less fashionable now because I think people are a lot better uh, positioned in the market, a lot savvier. Yeah, more um, so. And most, most mortgage brokers don't charge for their fee, don't charge a fee for residential home loan broking, yeah. meaning they get a commission by the bank that the, the borrower ends up selecting. Mm. So the commission across the board, lender to lender and uh, aggregator to aggregator, to be pretty honest with you, they're almost identical really mm. there's not a lot in them so i would suggest that there's very little conflict of interest um a lot of uh aggregators and broking firms actually pay their staff or pay their brokers the same regardless of the loan that's selected yeah. and there's no loading on commissions or anything like that so it would be a very rare broker that would ever try to choose one lender or help why customer choose a lender over another for reasons of commission. Yeah. Um, but the reason I bring that all up is it's worth asking any broker you, you go and see to say, is there a fee to use you? Uh, how are you remunerated? Yeah. We're obliged to uh, communicate that all in writing to our customers. We have statements of advice or uh, credit advice, and um, that's something that we share with our customers very, very early, yeah. as I'm sure every broker does. It's part of the best interest duty. There will be occasionally instances where mortgage brokers might charge a mandate on top of commission, it may be if they're not only commissioned, it might be if it's a commercial loan or a personal loan, so something outside the box. Yes. Um, but in almost all cases with residential lending, the convention is mortgage brokers tend not to charge a fee. But certainly, if you're going to get a quote from a broker, one of the things you must ask, are you going to charge? Um, and if you want to get into the nuts and bolts of their commission, yeah. they're obliged to share that with you. Yeah. So. The fee, that's a large fee, $5,000 for a debt reduction program. Yeah. And um, on the back of that, um, they probably could have done a better job if you knew you were going to sell the house or something changed, having a large exit fee on the loan. Yeah. Happily, that doesn't happen anymore. Um, yeah. there, Lots of changes have happened since then. 
into Oh, absolutely. And one of the great changes that I was very much in favour of in our industry was that the government abolished exit fees on home loans. Yeah which was fabulous because many lenders, even the ones that we associate with uh, high ethics now and customer focus now, the INGs of the world, the Rams home loans of the world, they used to back in the day have very large um, early repayment uh, fees or termination penalties on their home loans and that's all gone. The only time that you might have a fee to to, uh, discharge a home loan now is if you've got a fixed rate contract. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a fixed rate contract and you want to break that to go to a variable rate because you're, needing a cheaper loan or whatever have you, or if you're wanting to go to another property, um, the bank can pass on their loss with a fixed rate contract. Yes. So it's very important to think, if, you, if you're thinking about a fixed rate, it's very important to think about whether you're going to be holding the property for a long period of time. Yes, definitely. We did touch on the Royal Commission for a second. Um, so yep. what, what is the new legislation that's been passed with the Royal Commission to make mortgage broking more acceptable than going through the banks and for Australians? Um, well, the, the main change for um, mortgage broking, uh, there was uh, work around um, uh, basically commission structure and uh, conflicted uh, con- uh, conflicted income. Yes. Um, and again, uh, the governments uh, looked back into that and wound, um, wound some of that back, thinking that the model was intrinsically fine, which is a great thing for our industry, and it meant that we can continue to service people in the way that we've been servicing them for many, many years. But the principal change legally is the introduction of a best interest duty. So now, by law, a broker has to operate in the best interest of their client. Yes. Obviously, most brokers, I'm sure, would be doing that anyway. I think mm. most good self-employed people or most good um, financial people, is, you're, you're foolish if you try to do anything but get your customer the best outcome you can get them. Yeah. Because if you get your customer the best outcome you can get them, they're going to return, be a customer again, they will refer their friends and their family, and um, you'll have a happier and uh, more prosperous business over time. Yes. Um, but I think, I actually don't think it's a bad thing that that was put into legislation because it means that we've got um, we've got a something we can always point to. We've got um, an aspirational statement that we can always uh, always point to and say that's what we're doing. Yes. Also, it is useful because by law um, it does tighten things up. So it means that though we may already have been operating in our client's best interest, uh, it's not enough just to do it. We've got to be able to prove it to. So it's it is useful to be able to say these are the documented steps, this is what we've shown to our client, this is what they've shown, given back to us, these are the discussions we've had. So it's a really smart way of being able to uh, cover the conversation and to cover off the meeting and the expectation of clients' needs. So I think it's a a very good thing that uh, we can actually have the aspirational statement, have something to point to as our, our vision statement and also be able to go to a customer and come back and say, that's what you asked for, that was, that's what we think is the best and this is how we can prove it. So I think yeah. that's all pretty intelligent. And I think, again, what that's going to do is it's going to further legitimise mortgage broking, which is already a very legitimate industry, already a very well-accepted industry, and I think it'll just mean that we're going to get more market share from the, the big bad Well, banks. that's the thing. And, you know, um, 70% is going to go to 95% quite quickly, isn't it? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I like to say, as bad as the banks are, I make jokes and I tease them because they're an easy target. Yeah. As bad as the banks are, they do make uh, mortgage professionals like myself uh, look good and they do make, uh, <laughs> they do a lot of marketing for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Well, that's that's very true. Yes. Now, we're going to have a short break and come back with mortgage broker Evan Davis, where we will talk about the big elephants in the room when it comes to borrowing money for property. You're listening to Real Estate Right, and we are talking to money expert Evan Davis from Money Cat in Chapel Street in Paran about the difference between banks and mortgage brokers. So, Evan, now we've touched on the fact that mortgage brokers get paid through, uh, obviously, commissions. Um, mm-hmm. I think before the Royal Commission, like, correct me if I'm wrong, mortgage brokers would have basically an endless commission coming in every month as long as that person continued on with their mortgage. Is that, that right? An endless commission. That sounds great. Until the, until the <laughs> home loan gets discharged. It's, it's not quite endless, but um, there are <laughs> okay. two main income streams that a mortgage broker gets. The first is an upfront commission, and that's yes. calculated on the, uh, the amount the customer borrows, yes. but also utilizes. So they can borrow a million dollars, and then if they don't use any of it, um, we actually don't get any commission on that. So that's a disincentive for mortgage brokers to talk customers into filling themselves up to the eyeballs with debt that they're not going to need or use. Yeah. Um, so if, they, if a customer does borrow a million dollars or $200,000 or whatever it might be, um, we do get an upfront commission if they utilise the funds. So that's the upfront payment, which is the larger yeah. of the two payments. And yeah. then the uh, second payment we get is called a trailing commission. And the trailing commission is paid on the balance of the loan that's used or utilised yeah. over a period of time. So we get a, a very small commission monthly or yeah, monthly, um, based on how much is drawn on the home loan. So that the purpose of that commission is uh, the, the upfront commission is to cover the sales costs and to get the job done and to pay yeah. us. Yeah, the training commission is to reflect the ongoing service that we provide customers post their loan settling. Okay. So my business is an example. What we do is we like to do home loan reviews. Uh, so I think if you're doing a home loan review every year, you probably need more of a social life, but we can do that for you if you want us to review your home loan every year. But in most cases, we find that reviewing a, a customer's home loan every two or three years is really prudent because if we're doing that, it means we can offer them a refinance if something's come along that's better and cheaper, yeah. or we can internally restructure their loan with the lender that they have. Um, pricing creeps and brackets creep over time, so you could have the best rate in the world day one, but 36 months in or 48 months in, it's very possible uh, new business has been rewarded more than old business with the banks or the lenders. So it's possible that your product may no longer be as sharp as it once was. Mm-hmm. So we can then give that a poke. We can rework it. Or in a market like this, another big possibility is if we've settled a customer with a variable loan and a couple of years have gone down the track, it looks like the money might eventually start to move up in terms of cost. We can then uh, talk to our customers about fixing their loans. Yeah. Other services that we provide is we um, we meet with them to structure new borrowings, to help them with investment properties, investment portfolios. So yeah, that's what the trail commission is there. Originally, basically, it was a de- it was a delayed upfront by the banks to disincentivise churn. Um, but these days, the reason trails remain is it's a service fee, effectively for yeah. yeah. customers. I would prefer that endless commission so rather. <laughs> But is that one part, is it capped? Is it capped for like four years, that trailing commission? Uh, no, or is at, it like- at the moment, the trailing commission is still ongoing for the life of the home loan. So some of the, okay. most lenders do pay a trailing commission. Um, one of the 
uh, the, the best interest duty and the mortgage broking aspect to Royal Commission um, was all found to be very favourable um, and then government endorsed it, but it is actually up for review again uh, in, oh, God, yeah, I should know this, but it is up for review. So there was an agreement yeah. that in a year or so um, it does get reviewed again by the government. So it's very possible that the upfront, uh, trailing, upfront and trailing commission model might change. One of the things that was yeah. proposed during the Royal Commission was uh, abolition of trail and just a larger upfront payment. So yeah. if that were to be the case, um, the expectation, it would still work and mortgage broking would still be viable as a career or a business, but it would make yeah. the system uh, that we have now a lot more aggressive in rewriting yes. of home loans. So in the UK, yes. they have no trail income and they have just a higher upfront income and the upfront income is contingent on the home loan staying where it is for two years. So their market is very yes. different to ours. They tend to, borrowers tend to take out a two-year fixed rate and then reevaluate yes. in two years and so on and so forth. So it's a lot more, I'd call it promiscuous, a market with people jumping around yeah. from lender to lender. Because if you did have the one-off fee and not the trailing, yeah, you'd be seeing, like you'd be getting harassed by mortgage brokers all the time. Yeah, it kind of would. But the beauty of the trail system from a customer's perspective is it means if you call us, we're probably going to pick up the phone because we want to retain your business. It also means we're yeah. probably going to proactively reach out to you because we want to retain your business. We do, we do love our clients. But also, to be fair, without the trail system, if you rang me in two years' time and you wanted to put a $200,000 renovation swimming pool in your beautiful property yeah. or you wanted to buy an investment property, um, there's actually no incentive for me financially to keep you with the lender that you're with. So it would basically mean that had I placed you with Macquarie Bank the first time, you come back to me in two years and you say, "Here, I haven't did a great job for me. I'm looking to buy an investment property and renovate my house. What should we do? I'm going to start listing yeah. all of the other lenders because I need to get paid again for my time. So uh, I think yeah. in some respects, trail removes conflicts of interest rather than creates them. Yeah, it is a... Um... It's, it's very interesting to see how, you know, from your perspective, because, you know, I've, I've had plenty of, um, I've got a mortgage broker now. Sorry, Evan, <laughs> not you. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's helped a couple of properties. But in saying that, he's also said for my investment property, um, better deal with the bank. There's no point going through me at the moment because it was. You know, well, that's, it's a, that sounds like he's providing a really honest service there. So that's valuable. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So, yeah, happy to keep going for the moment yeah. but yeah he'll, he'll probably call me up in a couple of years time and say we need to look at this yeah totally and nothing stays the same in financial uh circles so um banks fight for market share banks uh roll out specials and promotions the other thing that's really yeah. amazing and uh worth using a broker for is again the experience angle um many many lenders yeah. are paying a large dollar amount to buy your business as um, a refinance rebate to attempt you to refinance to them or even to originate your home with them if you're a first home buyer. So the largest we've seen in the industry, there are some banks that are paying up to $4,000 to get your business, wow. and that's simply a cash payment into your account, which frankly is a good thing. We had that. We had the $4,000. Oh, yeah, great, yeah. Um, look, let's face it, that's a pretty yeah. good night out. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's pretty good. What I was going to say was... Do the banks have that internally as well, the whole mortgage-broking thing where, for instance, you know, you went to Westpac and, you know, you said, look, I needed to go and, you know, I need to refinance my bank loan. Um, do they get commissions on, you know, for the internal people or it's just like we're just we're getting paid our full-time income so it doesn't matter? Look, um, that's an excellent question. Um, every 
lender is different. Yeah. Some lenders historically have been very generous with remunerating their sales staff in terms of commissions. Yeah. Uh, recently, I know, and I've never worked in a bank. I've never been yeah. a broker, but I do, I do know anecdotally and also from my own reading of professional sources and journals yes. that a lot of those commissions post a lot of those commissions and incentives post royal commission have been dramatically culled, so rolled back or completely deleted. And I do know that a lot of the strife that banks got into during the Royal Commission around their own commissions for their sales staff was on cross-selling. So they'd be selling aggressively credit cards or student accounts or um, (laughs) personal loans. or Not home loans anymore. (laughs) Yeah, well, home loans was the gateway drug to get you in. Yeah. And then they'd want to find you everything. The bank's term for that was um, called whole of wallet. Um, which uh, sort of sums up the attitude. They want to get every financial product you need in your life and they want to sell it to you. And um, the financial planning side of things is where the system arguably got a bit greedy and arguably sort of fell down for clients. So um, we as brokers, cross-sales isn't really anything to us. So when we're talking to our customers, it is about your lending needs and what's best for you. So. We again, yeah. We just our mission is to get our customers the best solution. I always say, firstly, you need to choose on policy, which is whether a lender will say yes or no to you. So every lender has a slightly different set of guidelines and a slightly different set of rules, mm. and uh, no two lenders are created equal. So I take the example of a self-employed borrower, a speciality of mine. Yes. Uh, not all banks are very good with self-employed borrowers. Some have more flexible. Uh, policies and procedures. Mm-hmm. Some have alternate products which might suit. Um, so, yeah, if you're going to a bank direct, you're going to miss out on a lot of that experience yeah. and um, yeah, you're going to miss out on a lot of that expertise. Yeah, definitely. Now, essentially, banking has changed for big four banks. I believe a little Dutch company has uh, has taken over the uh, the lending over the four big banks. Is that right? They have gained enormous market share um, at the moment. Australia? I yeah. don't know. They're, they're certainly uh, producing record numbers of applications and settlements. Mm-hmm. So much so that um, they're actually not they're not actually doing approvals and principles anymore. They will still uh, service customers. Um, that have bought a property and come with a contract to sale or that need to refinance their properties immediately. Mm. But because they've got a big backlog of work, they're actually not uh, accepting pre-approvals at the moment or at the very least they are um, they are basically um, they are basically taking a very long time to turn those around. Yeah. So um, I think ING's market share at the moment is around... Uh, Retail mortgages, I think it's about 6.3% recent growth in mortgages. And I think they're about 5% market share in total. Okay. Yeah, I think it's about 5% market share, which is enormous for a bank that's relatively new in Australia, relatively yeah. 20 years, I suppose. And also, um, well, they're, they don't have a retail presence. They're a non-traditional sort of bank in that sense. Yeah. And ING are another bank that have relied almost entirely on the broker market in order to distribute their products and mm. to uh, get out there to consumers. They're also a bank that's great to deal with. They're one of my favourite banks for post-settlement service yes. and post-settlement um, technology. Their app's very good. Their fee structure is very fair. Yeah. Um, they're, fair they're very generous with their rates. There yeah. is only one catch. Um, being a bank that prides itself on high ethics, 
um, they like their customers to pay their debts off, <laughs> which obviously makes their customers wealthier. Some yeah. banks are happy for their customers to sit on interest-only loans for a long time, less, less so much than before the Royal Commission. Yeah. But ING do stress test uh, their customers a lot more than other lenders, which means that you might be able to borrow a lot more with another bank, but if you don't need to fill yourself up to the eyeballs with the biggest loan you can get, um, ING are a fabulous option, but they're not the easiest to qualify with. But, yeah, their market share is going up. Yeah, I think that was very answer. Sorry, so that's okay. It's all good. We talked about how often we should review our home loans, haven't we? Three years minimum. Three, yeah. Two to two and a half years is about right because the market does change. And if you don't have any social life and nothing better to do and no hobbies, you can review it every year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the big banks really only want to help the securely employed. So, how do you, as a mortgage broker, help self-employed business owners? Okay, well, that's, uh, uh, that's my speciality and uh, something very much after my own heart. So um, with self-employed borrowers, yeah. the main thing you would do, so butchers, bakers, candlestick makers, mom-and-pop businesses. And the copywriters. Uh, is that copywriters? And <laughs> the copywriters, the self-employed and copywriters. And the copywriters, sole <laughs> traders and um, family trusts and companies, people have incorporated. Yeah. These guys and girls um, and people, um, basically, most banks take a two-year approach. So come back to us when you've got two years of tax returns and um, we'll annualise them or we'll take 120% or if they're four years. So it's no two banks are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, you, if you're self-employed and you're trying to walk into your own bank and negotiate your own loan, unless, you, unless you're bloody Lindsay Fox and you're making an absolute fortune, you've got rocks in your head. Yeah. Um, you really want to go to a good broker because there's going to be on any lender panel, we've got 60 lenders on our panel, um, on any lender panel there are going to be lenders who are just dramatically better than others yeah. at uh, helping the self-employed. And one of the best tools out there, particularly with money being so cheap, um, there are wonderful alt-doc and wonderful low-doc style home loans yes. where you may not have your tax returns done yet um, or you they may not be reflective of your normal earning power yeah. or you may have had an awful lot of tax deductions in that particular year. Mm-hmm. So there are great tools that a good mortgage broker knows how to access and use for people who want to certify their income and who want to um, self-certify and uh, refinance or buy their properties using products like that. So they're still very relevant. Um, in the old days, people would have considered these to be kind of non-prime or very left-of-centre products. Um, but with where we're at um, rate-wise at the moment, so many of these wonderful products are very flexible. They'll allow borrowers to get into properties earlier. Um, they'll allow borrowers to release equity for investments or other purposes. And the pricing in many cases is very much in line with a full doc home loan, which is the traditional you go to the bank with two years of tax returns and your bad statements. So Resi Max springs right out of mind, right out of mind at the moment. Um, uh, and uh, there, I think they're about, oh, golly, it's probably a bad idea to quote race, but yeah. I think they're two ninety nine as a variable owner-occupier rate. Disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Don't quote yeah. me on that. I'd have to That's check. okay, disclaimer. Um, they're, <laughs> they're waiving, waiving risk fees and application fees, and it is probably the most generous alt-doc-style product I've seen in the market for Ever. Yeah, <laughs> so nice. if anyone's listening to this fabulous podcast and they run their own business and would love to talk about uh, their ability to refinance or buy a property using an opt-up product, please yeah. uh, pass on my details. <laughs> Will do. Now, um, just touching on that slightly. So say one of the couple, like you've got a couple, one works in a business or works for, works for the man, essentially, and then the other one works for themselves. Yeah. 
would that be classified, would they have to be qualified as a low docs or would they be? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. So if you've got two applicants and one of them's on a really healthy wage yeah. um, and their partner or co-borrower is self-employed, um, depending, we can lean more on one income stream than the other. Yeah. So uh, conversely, if the self-employed applicant has more uh, more income going through their side of the ledger yeah. and the PAYG applicant less, we can do it that way too. Yeah. And um, we can also do a hybrid, even if one of the borrowers is a self-employed person and the other PAYG, it's still possible to get an op-doc or a low-doc loan for that couple as long as one of the applicants is self-employed. So, yeah. again, you need a broker that knows credit policy, so that yeah. means a bit of experience. Um, you need a broker that can read tax returns. Uh, a lot of the bankers that you meet that are doing home loans for their first time, they've never really met a self-employed person. And when you present them with the family trust, the profit and loss, yeah. the individual tax returns, the notice of assessment, their eyes roll back. They don't know what to do. Yeah. But a good mortgage broker, we understand that. We can look at add-backs and depreciation, superannuation expenses beyond the 9.5%. Yeah. And a good mortgage broker, we can tear those financials to shreds and drag every dollar out of there and use, use your real earning power to borrow money for you. And again, if your tax returns aren't ready or available or not suitable, you've yep. always got that alt-doc alt option as well. Okay. Thanks so much, Evan, for coming onto Real Estate Right today. Now, how can listeners get in touch with you if they want you to revise their home loan um, oh, well. going through or apply for a new home loan through MoneyCat? Well, the best thing you can do is just pick up the phone and call me. My name's Evan Davis. I'm the CEO and boss cat of MoneyCat Finance. Yes. My mobile number is 0413-467-246. That's 0413-467-246. Or you can just email me at wave at MoneyCat. Wave. W-A-V-E. Wave at MoneyCat. <laughs> That's very cool. Yes. It's so a think, visual thing. Like- You've got to think of the MoneyCat. The, the cats that the Asians have on their Chinese restaurants. Yeah, yeah. the Maneki Nako. They're one of my favourite bits of kitsch. I've been collecting these gorgeous little cats for many years now. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it was the little cats that inspired me to uh, cool. call yeah. Maneki cool. <laughs> Very cool. So thanks so much again, Evan. And next week we have the lovely Nicole Jacobs from White Fox Property coming on to talk to us about vendor advocates and how to choose the best advocate to help you through that stressful journey of selling your property. So don't miss it. Real Estate Right is a real copyright production hosted and produced by me, Sue Langada. I would like to thank Podbean for hosting our podcast, Premium Beat for our theme music, and Francis Morello for his voiceover. Real Copyright is a leading real estate copywriting service throughout Melbourne. If you would like your property copywritten by Real Copyright, please book your copy through orders at realcopyright.com.au. If you would like us to help create more valuable real estate information, For the people of Melbourne in this podcast, contact sue at realestateright.com.au. Thanks for listening to Real Estate Right.